Welcome to Bethel Brandon Sunday Message. Please head over to our website, BethelBrandon.ca, to figure out how we can best serve you. My sermon this morning, I have something better. I have something far better than anything a human could come up with. Let's pray. Lord, as we look into your word this morning and consider the plans that you have, not just for us, but for the heavens and the earth, we pray that you would speak to us. We ask, O oh God, that you would minister your truth to our hearts and our minds in a way that would transform how we live and how we expect. And we ask, God, that, that you would help us to hear not just from your word, but from your spirit. We ask, God, you'd be with the preacher who knows there's far more things to be said than there's time in Jesus. Amen. Amen. He is coming back. Oh, friend. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Now, it was awesome when he came the first time. Amen? I mean, we spend so much of our life studying how things were when he walked this earth. But friends, when Jesus comes back, that will change everything. Oh, you don't sound too excited. I'm so excited about this truth, folks, and so blessed to be able to share it with you. John chapter 14. Jesus looks at his disciples. He has just told Peter he's going to deny him three times. He's got his face turned towards Golgotha. He is, he is going to the cross. He's determined to do the work that needs to be done to win the salvation and the forgiveness of sinners like us. He knows his disciples are worried, and he begins with this. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. Can I take a pastoral moment and suggest to you that over these last three years or so, there has been all kinds of worry in the church. There's been all kinds of upset in the church. There have been all kinds of moments where we have chosen to pull back from one another instead of leaning in to the sacred fellowship of the church. I've had more people in the last three years want to challenge me about how the church should be led because we're stirred up, we're worried. We think that we're near the end and that what's gone on is a sign of the end times, and that's probably true. But friends, can I remind you, the end times are God's idea. Hello? The end times are God's plan. He's got it all planned out. And if you read the end of the book, and we're going to a little later on, the church's response is, oh, Lord, come quickly. Come quickly. Let not your hearts be troubled. Don't worry, Jesus said. Believe in God. Believe also in me. 
Can I tell you something? When I worry, it's because I have my eyes on the wrong thing. Think about that. When you worry, your eyes are on the wrong thing. About 30 years ago, I was at the side of the road with a car that no longer had a functioning transmission in another country with transmission fluid everywhere. My little kids in the car. My wife looking at me like, clearly, you're responsible. This is just for the men. Just for the men. In your, in your own family situation, when the car breaks down, does feminism leave your household too? I don't want to cause any trouble here today. But, but in my household, when the car breaks, it's my problem. And it was a problem, and I was worried. You know, 20, I guess it was 28 years ago. 28 years later, I have no worries about that transmission. I don't believe it's gone to heaven, but it's no longer my problem. And that worry was wasted. The Lord looked after us. Jesus said, believe in God, believe also in me. And then he said to them, in my Father's house are many rooms. Now, your Bible version might say many mansions. The reality is we need to read that like dwelling places. Because in the, I don't even want to use the word physicality, but in the design of heaven, how we live will be different than stick and brick construction in Canada. Mansion, glorious rooms, wonderful dwelling place. The point is, in Jesus' Father's house, there are many places to dwell. And he said, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? The English Standard Version that I'm reading from, I chose to read it from that one because it puts it in the form of a question so clearly. Jesus wouldn't tell us he was going to prepare a place for us unless he was going to prepare a place for us. Amen? Now, how many of you have a place to live? Do you like where you live? Let me tell you something. Where you live today is nothing like where you're going to live when Jesus comes back. You are never going to have a moment in heaven where you go, oh, man, I wish I was still on 150 Catherine Bay in Selkirk, Manitoba. Oh, that, that side split, that was heaven. No, when you're in heaven, you're not going to want to come back to where you live today. Jesus said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. 
There are a lot of great promises in the Scriptures, my friend. Are any of them any better than the promise that Jesus, having prepared a place for you and I, will come back and take us to himself, that where he is, we may be also? Is there a greater promise than that? The promise is of eternal life. The problem is of eternal life in the presence of God, our Savior. The promise is for all who belong to Jesus. And Jesus said, and you know the way to where I'm going. You know the way to where I'm going. And then Thomas, our friend, who speaks so often for so many of us, doesn't he? Where else do you see Thomas? Oh, after the resurrection. When people tell him about the resurrection, he goes, like, no. I won't believe until I can put my fingers where the nails went. Isn't that essentially what he said to those who witnessed to the resurrected Christ? And then Jesus turns up, and what does he do? He looks at Thomas, and Thomas doesn't want to touch where the nails went in because he knows now that Jesus is alive, and Jesus goes, no, no, put your fingers right here. And Thomas did. That speaks to me so loudly because Thomas then spent the rest of his life testifying of the resurrected Jesus. And we know that he actually had his fingers in the spots where the nails went and could feel the life coursing through Jesus' face. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? A perfectly legitimate question in a human sense. And Jesus said to him, and you can quote this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, friends, Jesus is coming back. And that's going to change everything. And you may be sitting here today and you're like, I've just started coming to church. Or I've never been in church before. Or I've been in church, but I don't really believe is heaven for me? I'll tell you the answer is yes. But there's only one way to get there. And you're not going to earn it. You're not going to be smart enough to go to heaven. I'm pretty thankful for that one. You're not going to be good enough to go to heaven unless someone who's perfect has made a way. And that's Jesus. And he's made a way. And he is the way. All you need to do is put your life in his hand, and heaven will be in your future. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. And then he says, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, Pastor Mike referred to me coming to Jesus years ago as a teenager. When I was that age, 
the last person I wanted to be like in my life was William L. Porterfield. None of you know William L. Porterfield. Bill. Bill Porterfield. But if I walk down the street of the town that I was born in, people will stop me and say, you must be Bill's boy. And when I was 15, when I was 16, the last thing I wanted was to be Bill's boy and recognizably so. But today, I drive a nail like my father. I hold a remote control like my father. I can give you the death glare like my, I won't. My sister looks at me regularly and goes, oh, it's scary. You are so much like my father. Friends, my point is this. These folks asking Jesus the question, they were concerned that they didn't really know the way to the Father, nor did they know the Father. And Jesus is like, no, no, if you know me, you know the Father. Friends, make Jesus your study and choose to be like him, and you will be like the Father. Do you like people who keep their promises? Do you? Have you noticed in our world there are people who will make promises and that's the end of it? And then there are people who will make promises and follow through. If I'm buying a vehicle, I'd like the promises to last beyond when I drive the vehicle off the lot. How about you? Wouldn't you? I love people that make promises and keep them. Jesus keeps his promises. He keeps every promise he ever made. In the Father's house, there are many dwelling places. That's true. And Jesus left to prepare a place, especially for not just the 12, but for everyone who will follow him. I, I put the... Just the line there, so that in your mind's eye, you can put your name on that line. And for some of you, you've walked with Jesus so long, you're like, oh, I knew my name would go right there. But others of you might be very new to following Jesus. And you might wonder about the truth of heaven. Is it for everyone? It's for everyone who belongs to Jesus. So you can put your name right on that line. Jesus promised to come back to take all his followers home. And in Revelation chapter 21, John is seeing what happens at the end. And he writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, 
the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. I would love to unpack all the meaning that I understand from that passage today. But we would need a, a season's worth of Bible study to do that. So let me encourage you to make a study of heaven part of your future. And it continues, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. My friends, the new heavens and the new earth will be the dwelling place of God and his bride. The church is his bride. How many of you have ever taken part in weddings? Have you? Your pastors will tell you that weddings are a very interesting part of the life of the church. They probably have some great wedding stories. I have some pretty good wedding stories. We're not going to share them here today. But weddings are times of joy and hope and plans for the future. Can I tell you heaven will be spectacular? Heaven will be unbelievably spectacular. And God will be our source. He will be our light. He will be our life. He will be the source of the water of life. He will also be our reward, our joy, and our comfort. When you read the descriptions of heaven, you'll find that how we do construction just doesn't match up. Can you imagine having a gate to the city, the heavenly Jerusalem, that's made each gate out of one pearl? And they're huge gates. You imagine how large the pearl must be. Imagine the engineering required to put hinges on a pearl so that the gate can open and close, but they stay open all the time because there are no threats. Because God himself is there. Revelation 22, the spirit and the bride say, and they're talking to Jesus. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. What are you longing for today? There are students who are longing for the end of the semester already. There are parents who are not longing for the Christmas break. There are people, we call them farmers, who are longing to close the bin on the last bushel of harvest. There are gardeners who are longing to harvest the last bit from the garden. But friends, Jesus followed. 
are longing for his return. Jesus' followers are longing for his return. And if we're not, it's because our focus is a little out of whack. We need to fine-tune it. If you're old, old enough like me to remember when you had to actually fine-tune dials on electronic things, sometimes we need to refine our focus. And our focus wisely is on the return of Jesus. And John continues, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. I only touch on that to say, those who are running around stirring up fear about the end times, are out of the will of God. And we need to ignore them. Well, don't ignore them as people. Love them, perhaps correct them, invite them to focus on the right things that believers focus on, not on the stress and worries of this present day. And then he continues, he who testifies to these things says, and that's Jesus, surely I am coming soon. Surely, Jesus is coming soon. And he's going to usher in a new heaven and a new earth, and it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be filled with people like you and filled with all kinds of people who've gone before us. Won't that be fantastic? And the source of it all is going to be God himself. And then John says, amen, so be it. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Would you say that together with me today? Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. One more time. Come, Lord Jesus. Oh, Make that your prayer. Speak to him. Tell him of your desire for his return. And then we'll live out how we ought to live when Jesus comes. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Friends, he is coming soon. The Spirit is calling for Jesus to come. Think about that. The Holy Spirit is calling for Jesus to come. The bride of Christ, the church, we're calling for him to return. The testimony of John the Revelator says Jesus is coming soon, and Jesus himself says, surely I am coming soon. We need to live with readiness and purpose. What are we doing with our lives between now and his return? Be ready for his return and serve to make disciples.
Thanks for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please head over to BethelBrandon.ca to listen to our older messages or maybe connect with us and figure out how we can best serve you. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.